we started a series three weeks ago, and, and this was the title of the series, Living with 2020 Vision. Maybe we can open the door there. It's a bit hot in the age. Yeah, thanks, B-Red. So that's the series that we're busy with. We don't know when we're going to finish. It's quite cool because we're in 2020, living with 2020 vision. Last week, 20 shared with us. It was incredible. He hits it out the park, and the title of the message was Living with Generous Eyes. If you weren't here, you can get that on the podcast. He hits it out the park. It was an incredible message that he shared with us. But we're going to be in Isaiah today, book of Isaiah. You can open your Bible or your smartphone to Isaiah, but it is on the screen. Because we're just unpacking a few verses, but you're welcome. Isaiah, open it up, chapter 9, verse 6, somewhere in the middle of your Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, then you get that age-restricted book there. If you're not over 18, you can't read that book, and then you get Isaiah. So in chapter 9 today, let's get it straight into God's Word this morning, if that's fine with you guys. Is that okay? Isaiah chapter 9, we're looking at verse 6. For unto us a child is born... And you're saying, Daryl, you could have shared that at Christmas time. Yes, we could have, but stay with me here. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The Prince of Peace. The title of this morning's message is Pleading with Plastic for Peace. Might sound strange, so just stay with me because all of us are looking for peace. I spoke to a businessman on Tuesday morning and after we finished having our coffee at the Willys, he said to me, I said to him, what can we pray for? And he said to me, please can you pray for peace? I need, I need peace because I have some very stressful business things happening. I need to have God's peace in my life. And I thought, wow, this man, this businessman starting 2020 under immense stress and pressure, and he wants peace. And maybe you too are stressed about the year ahead, 2020. Maybe you're stressed because you're saying, Daryl, we've already passed January. We're in February. I can't believe it. I'm stressed for the month of February. Maybe you're saying, my goodness, I'm stressed just for tomorrow. Don't worry about February. Just, God, help me not be stressed for Monday morning. This word stress, silent killer, some call it. I always thought that stress affects your heart. I was half right because I recently discovered that stress doesn't just affect your heart. Stress also affects your brain. And when you're under stress, there's something that happens in your brain. Uh, you can use stress to your advantage. For example, if you under pressure the night before a preach and you're stressed out in your study, there's a bit of stress that you're going through, like me last night, early hours of this morning. Maybe you stressed when you ran the Johnson Crane Marathon last week and you're standing there, the gun is about to go off, and you're nervous, you're a bit stressed because you should have spent a penny in the porta potty or you should have dropped the kids off in the porta potty and it's too late, the gun's going off. Oh, I should have went to the loo, but ah, you, you're stressed. Maybe you've parallel parked a thousand times. Because you're 18 and you're getting your driver's license. And now this is the real deal. You're busy doing that parallel parking and you're stressed. Is that you? They tell us uh, that, uh, that I don't really know who, who they is. They say, they say that when there's too much stress in your life, 
your brain goes into overdrive. And, and it starts putting poison, starts putting toxins in your body when you're too stressed. And for me, I find myself battling to sleep. So you'll fall asleep at an early hour. I like to go to bed early. And suddenly you lie awake thinking, did I press send on that email? Did I lock the back door? And then you lie awake. And then maybe you fall asleep at 12, and then you're up at 1, and then you're up at 3, and you, look, I only have an hour to fall asleep again before the alarm goes off at 4. When you're stressed, you battle to lose, to, to sleep. You sometimes lose sleep. I don't know if that's you. Put the lights on for us here, Fox. I can't see my mates. The other thing that they say stress does is it influences our immune system. And, and you start to become sick if, if you're too stressed. And for us guys, man flu is tough. We, we get sick. It's hard, ladies. Bear with us here. It's hard getting man flu if you're stressed out and, and you're sick. That's true. And, and stress causes anxiety. And, and it just starts to snowball and snowball and snowball until you find yourself living, being ratty, tired, stressed out. You're living in the red zone. You're about to snap. And at that point, I'd like to say we do what all good Christians do. We turn to the Prince of Peace. But we don't. We don't. You know what we do? We look at the calendar and we see how many weeks we've got left till the April holidays. The Easter weekend, I've booked that. Let me just hold out until the April holidays. Then I'll be okay. Then I'll, then I'll be able to just take a break. One of my friends was so stressed out at the end of last year, he booked a holiday in Mossel Bay. They say it's nice there. There's no stress in Mossel Bay. Can't wait to get there. Doesn't want to sleep over, drives the whole way to Mossel Bay, gets there late at night, stress-free Mossel Bay, I'm here, books in for his accommodation that he booked in with Airbnb, only to discover, sorry pal, your, your accommodation's double booked, all the way to stress-free Mossel Bay. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're looking out for the April holidays, because then at least I'll hold on and I'll be stress-free then in April, the holidays, and maybe that's not you. Maybe you hit the shops. To just get away from stress. A couple of elbows there. Is that you? Is it? Yeah. They, they say, babes, that you're not that stupid to shoot to the, strop, to shoot to the shops when, when, you, when you're stressed out. You know why? Because they say, and again, they say, and I quote, relaxantly, guys, I quote this. They say regular shopping has been linked to longer lifespan. So you're not that silly. <laughs> so you shoot off to the shops. Because retail therapy is going to help you deal with the stress. How to lose all men at Freedom Church with one statement about sending your wife to the shops. <laughs> Crazy, bro. Yeah. But here's the problem. We, we, we all want to get away from stress. And so we look to the plastic for peace. It's what we do, friends. Here's the problem. I'm stressed out. Let me just look to the card. I begin 2020 looking to my debit card, my credit card. This piece of plastic is going to help me deal with the stress. I'm going to hide behind this piece of plastic as I deal with the pressure and the stress of life. Thanks, Prince of Peace, but I'm okay. I'll, I'll look to the plastic. Fix my eyes on this piece of plastic. My marriage. My marriage is taking strain. I'll look to the plastic. And I've been accused of something at work, something that's not true, but I need a lawyer. I don't have the money. I'll just put it on the plastic. And because something that's happening in my life, stress, pressure, we look to the plastic. I don't know where else to look, so I'll just look to the plastic. 
And maybe you get into another relationship. Maybe you don't use the plastic, but you look to another relationship. You look to somebody else to help you deal with the stress. The problem is it's relationship number 10 and you're only 22. Maybe we self-medicate. And that glass of wine that we look at every now and again because it's been really a tough day becomes two. And before we know it, it's a bottle. Maybe you look at that special bicycle. It's way too special to leave in the garage at night. And so you leave it in the lounge or in the dining room. And it whispers to you that special bicycle. Take me out for a ride. De-stress, de-stress. That's how special your bicycle is. We look to the plastic. We look to people and we look to things around us to help us deal with the stress. And here's the problem, friends. We've got the wrong idea of what peace is supposed to look like. We're looking for peace in plastic, in relationships. We don't know what peace looks like. When I think of something, I always try and take a picture of what something could and should look like. And so maybe when you have a photo of, of what peace looks like, maybe it's something like this. Jay, give it to us on the board there. Beautiful, eh? Peace. Cool, calm, warm, tropical water. That's peace, eh? Beautiful. Problem is, we live in South Africa with power load shedding and air pollution. There's nothing like that, although we're the lucky ones because we've got Boxburg by the sea, but a beach and wild water. So if this up here is a realistic picture of my life and the stress and the pressure that I'm under every single day from Monday to Friday and I've, I've looked to the plastic, I've gone shopping and I've ridden my bicycle and I've looked to, to, and I've got to face this pressure tomorrow and I've got to get down to these weights and I've got to say, I'm psyched, I'm ready for this, I can face Monday, I'm okay. And we face Monday and we get up, I got it, okay, I'm going to get through Monday, I'm fine. And I've got Monday's down under the belt. And I'm ready for Tuesday. I could do this. I could do this in my own strength. No, I can handle the stress. Tuesday. I've got it. Get through Wednesday. Well, I face Wednesday. I can make it. I've got Wednesday. I can do this. Wednesday, I'm done. And I get to Thursday. Well, I face Thursday. I can't. I can't. I can't make Thursday. I can't make Thursday. I can't. I can't make it. I can't make Thursday. That's how we live, trying to make it, trying to get through the stress and pressure of the week in our own strength. What would a true picture of peace look like? What does the Bible say peace is? Let's look at a picture of how the Bible describes what peace is. Look at that. It's a strong tower, beautiful tower. But God introduces himself through Scripture as a strong tower tower. God introduces himself to us as a shield. And when you're lying on the beach, on the island, in the hammock, you don't need a strong tower. There's no storms there. You don't need a shield to be put around you when you're on that island. No, friends, when you're under pressure and you don't know where to turn, you need to be able to look at and see a strong tower. Beautiful, eh? I want us to look at another picture. You might have seen this in an office that you've walked into. This is a really famous picture. 
It's taken in France. It's a picture of a lighthouse. Show us there, Jay. This lighthouse's name is called La Jumeau. Sounds nice. I've pronounced that. La Jumeau. It actually means nightmare. It means nightmare. And you know why? Because that lighthouse is finding the most challenging and scariest oceans on the planet. And before they automated lighthouses, they would have a lighthouse watchman. He would stay in that lighthouse and he would be able to switch it on and off because they couldn't send a message via email or whatever to that lighthouse. And so this photographer takes a helicopter around La Jumeau and as he's flying around the, the lighthouse, he takes a picture, world famous picture. If we have a look at that picture there, a little bit closer, Jay, just give us another shot of that photo there. This lighthouse watchman is actually standing outside the lighthouse and he's got his hand in his pocket. And he said afterwards, he said he had no idea how vicious those waves and storm was around him. If he had stepped out a half a meter further onto the veranda outside, he would be dead. That's what he said afterwards. But you know what that watchman didn't do? He didn't do what I just tried to do. And say, bring it on and face the storm. He simply stepped back and closed the door into that lighthouse tower. The problem is, friends, we want the island. We want the calm water where we can be lying in our hammock. And we don't understand that we can actually have peace in the storm of a marriage. We can actually have peace when we go through that broken business deal that's busy happening in your life right now. So how do we have peace when this starts happening? How do, you have, how do you have peace with teenagers and, and debit orders and your husband that's been offended by the church and says, I'm not going back. And so you as, as the mom and wife have got to play a role. How do we handle the stress and the pressure? What are you taking in your life right now with the stress and the pressure that you've got to pick up every single day? And I'd love to say at this point, when we carry these weights, that we turn to the Prince of Peace. But we don't. You know what we do? We put on our Sunday best. We take take the bowel, we blow the dust off, and we come to church. But we park outside, far away, because you've had a big fight with your wife on the way, and she's got to fix up her makeup because the mascara is just running down from her cheeks. And then you walk in here, and people ask you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I don't like that word, blessed. That's a religious word, blessed. And we say to ourselves, you know what? If I can fake it for 30 minutes, if I can just get through the worship and I can sit there for 30 minutes, no one will know the stress and the pressure of my marriage, the stress and the pressure of my business. No one will know what I'm facing tomorrow. I'll just fake it. Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 9, Verse 6, it says, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. You know what that word government means in Hebrew, friends? It means Mishra. Everything that is the opposite of peace, it means war. It means to wrestle. It means to struggle. Everything that is the opposite of peace is meant to be on his shoulders. And we are meant to live with peace but we don't do that because we take that stress and the pressure and we put it on our shoulders and we don't look to the prince of peace 
Because we make a plan. In Benoni, a boer mark a plan. We've got that RA that we've taken out when we were 12, and that's a bit of a buffer. We'll be okay. And you know what? I've got my holiday home. If things get really tough, then I can just Airbnb my holiday at home out for extra income. And then we've got things like Botox to take away the stress and the wrinkles. And we've got hair color to take away the gray. Remember, Dad used to dye his hair. You didn't like it, hey? At least he had hair. <laughs> but we, we take that hair color and we, we, take, we try and make a plan with the stress and the pressure we under. We take that gym contract, we put the card in our wallet to, to show I'm tough, I can handle life. I can do it on my own. But the nature of stress, friends, is that we start buckling under the weight. Even if it's small stress, every single day. I've got a friend, he's going through a big crisis with one of his family members in his family and he says you know I'm normally able to control and I'm certain of what's going to happen next and I can make a plan he says this time I've got no control I'm not certain of how to deal with the situation I don't know what to do he says and it's causing me big stress in my life you know what friends he's no different to you and I because my brain and your brain is wired to be certain of what's going to happen next and your body even gives you a reward if you write. I'll prove it to you. Let's do a quick pop, pop quiz here. I'm going to say a word and I want you to say what the opposite of that word is. What's the opposite of hot? Brilliant. Good class. What's the opposite of up? Ah, oh, brilliant. Good class. Good. What's the opposite of faith? Quick, tell me. Opposite of faith. There we go. We're wobbling. You're wobbling because you didn't know the answer to that, friends. I heard someone say fear. Mm, maybe. You know what the opposite of faith is? Certainty. Opposite of faith. I will say it again. The opposite of faith. Bridge. The opposite of faith is certainty. Who needs faith when they are certain what's going to happen tomorrow morning? It's true, Auntie Lori. I'm certain tomorrow morning. I know exactly what's going to happen. I don't need faith. Opposite of faith is certainty. And so we don't just imagine things. We imagine what's going to happen next. We don't just say things. We say what's going to happen next. Part of your brain is called the neocortex. tries to predict what's going to happen next. And when I'm certain of something, I can take a step. Because I've got this. I'm stressed out, but I know what's going to happen. I'm certain. It's going to be okay. And I'll take another step tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning. I'm certain. I'm okay. I've got the situation under control at work. I'm okay. And suddenly, suddenly what happens? I take another step and I'm not certain. <laughs> my life falls apart. Because I've been basing my life on certainty and not faith. And the wheel falls off. Wheels fall off. They said there were cash flow problems at the company you work for but I'll get paid. I'm certain of it. I'll be okay. You don't get that EFT at the end of the month. And suddenly you start wobbling because you were certain. Now you start wondering what's going to happen. And the stress starts getting to you. Your marriage, your husband, he would never do that. He would never allow that to happen in your marriage. You're certain. And suddenly the wheels fall off. What are you going to do? How do you live with that? Becomes crazy in your world. Maybe your wife falls pregnant for the third time. And you've got two kids. 
happy, you've got a boy and a girl, and you say, you know what, this time, let's keep it a surprise. We, we'll keep it a surprise. If it's a Ken or a Barbie, it doesn't matter. We don't have to go for the scans. And Barbie's born, and she's Down syndrome. What then? Because I was certain it was going to be okay. I mean, what do you do next? What do you do then? Retrenchments at the office. I'm fine. I'm almost indispensable. I'm okay. You get the email. We regret. What do you do next? When you were certain and suddenly the wheels fall off. Here's one. My alarm system at my home is linked to PHP. I've got an electric fence around my house. Everything's fine. They'll never break into my house. And suddenly at two in the morning, they're in your lounge. What do you do next? What do you do then if you've been basing your whole life on certainty and you faced with that or that colleague at the office? Daryl, my best friend, they'll never betray me. They've got my back. And the pawpaw hits the fan and suddenly, whew, I was certain, but no, they've betrayed me. What, when you've built your life looking at certainty apart from faith in God, what do you do next? And you've got to lift this all by yourself. What happens when you can't even pray? What happens when your wife is under so much pressure that you're like, God, I don't even know. I don't even have faith. What do you do next? Can't lift that weight of the business deal. I'm about to lose my house. What do you do next? Because that deal fell through. Your tax advisor says, don't worry. You'll get a big payout in a couple of months' time. I'm certain. We've done the calculations. Then I can pay all my debt. Nothing. I was certain, but now nothing. What do you do next? Because most of us at this point, we give up on God. And we walk away. We say, God, I'm done. What do we do? Maybe you're at this point today where you're saying, I'm giving up on God. I can't handle the stress and pressure. And maybe you're sitting saying, Daryl, that's not me. Everything's calm, playing, sailing. I'm on that island. Things are great. Friends, sooner or later, at some stage in our lives, we will all be at this point when we don't know what to do next. And you wish you could come to church and someone could say three quick points on how to lift the stress in your life. You wish that, hey. And maybe you're hoping that I'm not going to say the following words and say, just suck it up. Just get back there tomorrow morning and give it another go. The Bible doesn't say that, friends. The Bible doesn't say that. You know what the Bible says? Carry on looking at this verse in Isaiah 9. Look at what it says. It says, the people walking in darkness. You walking in darkness? Talk about 2020 vision. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in deep darkness, a light has dawned. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you, capital you, 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 Jesus, have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. You, Jesus, have shattered that bar. You've shattered that yoke. You've shattered that rod upon our shoulders. And he will be called. All he says is call on me. Call on me. In the midst of that storm, call on me. And as you face Monday, tomorrow, and that storm in your life, and that crisis at the office, call on me. Call on me. And as you call on the Prince of Peace, your way maker, your miracle 
worker, your promise keeper will be there as you call on him. In Jesus' name. But Isaiah doesn't end there, friends. Carries on. And it says this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Not my zeal with my, uh, what I think, big puppies. Not the zeal of my friends who are strong and committed to me. No. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will do this. The New Living Translation says, the passionate Commitment of Yahweh will accomplish this. Beautiful, eh? Brad's passion for me to jump up here and save me under Thursday is nothing compared to the passionate commitment of Yahweh, our Father in heaven. I've learned some incredible things about this word Yahweh, and I want to share them with you this morning. These things have helped me open my spiritual eyes and have given me 20-20 vision. The Bible obviously was written in Hebrew, not in English like we read it today. And because they only had a few scrolls and they were limited, they used to often drop the vowels in a word and they used to just use the consonants of a word. So if you had the word Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, they would drop out the vowels and you would have S-T-V-N. In. You, could, you could get what that was, Stephen. But if they had the word Adrian and they just left out the vowels and you had the consonants DRN, it would be, oh, what is that? Is that drone or what is that? And they would have special ways of you finding out exactly what that word was meant to be. But when it came to the name of God, Yahweh, Y-A-W-H-E-H, I think I've spelled that right. If they left out the vowels in God's name, Yahweh, you would be able to say it. Yahweh. Can you see how incredible our God is? Our covenant-making God has put His name on every breath that you say. Yahweh. Yahweh. And when you face that meeting tomorrow at the office, when you face that panic attack and you're so anxious, yeah, where, yeah, where, yeah, where, you cry out to our covenant-making God, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, and He will be there. In the midst of your storm, as you run to that strong tower, in the midst of the storm, not on the island, because that's totally unrealistic, your covenant-making God, the miracle worker, Yahweh. I want to pray for us today, friends. But I want to pray for those today who have the biggest weight on their shoulders. And that's their past. And you're carrying this weight from your past. And it's causing much stress in your life. Can we bow our heads together? Covenant-making God. Yahweh. Yahweh. We have raised our hands in worship to you this morning, God. But now, don't you want to raise your hands 
to our covenant-making God today? Don't you want to do that? We raise our hands in the midst of our storm under the stress and pressure. We raise our hands to you today. And we ask God that you would do as you promised, that you would shatter the rod of iron, the rod of the oppressor, that yoke that we've been carrying across our shoulders. And we declare, Yahweh, the covenant keeper. God, I pray for those who have to face tough, tough Mondays tomorrow, tough weeks, tough February. God, I pray that people who are living in a do or die month or week, God, that their spiritual 2020 vision would be clear as they face the stress and the pressure that you, the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, would take that stress as they run into that strong tower. You would be there and we would hear testimonies of your goodness and your kindness as we run to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.